everything that's going on in your life that stresses you out isn't actually happening. And I think self-love to me is loving yourself enough for your love and feelings of being a good person to not be situational. If you don't speak up, you're always going to... It starts to condition you to be quiet. Yeah. It starts to condition you when you feel that uncomfortable area or you feel like someone's like stepping over your boundary. It's going to remind you like, oh, I should stay quiet like last time because it just passed. The name more mindful than you is a contradiction. Mindfulness isn't about competing or being more of something than anyone else. It's about searching through your soul, living from your heart and making an effort each day to live through the truth of what is really real. The only place we can start from is now. Welcome to the fourth episode of the More Mindful Than You podcast. So, Colton and I met. Um, we met in Spain. And Colton's just a really cool guy. We clicked. We There was, like, this, this program that um, took us to Barcelona before we eventually ended up in another city called Valencia. And... We met that day and it was just like an instant connection kind of thing. And I think, you know, I think that whenever you are meant to be friends with somebody, not even in a fake kind of way, but you just, you both have personalities that click um, to a very high extent, then it's very obvious. And that's definitely how I felt with Colton. So, so without further ado, uh, Colton, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what are you doing right now? What are you up to? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm currently in my last semester at Washington State University, getting my undergrad in international business and in Spanish, a double major. And I'm also working full time. So I'm doing nine credits online and working 40 hours a week and just trying to get in as much personal <laughs> time as I can in between. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Is does does being that busy ever like challenge you in any specific way that you would want to share? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a challenge every day. Just you know, knowing where to put your energy and what's most important. But currently, I feel like I've got a case of what a lot of people call senioritis, and I just have <laughs> no desire to do any of the schoolwork anymore. But right now, I'm just pushing week by week so that's where we're at and i definitely think the answer is yes but would you consider yourself a mindful person i definitely think i'm a mindful person and i only say that because everyone has their own sense of mindfulness so you definitely couldn't say if my mindfulness is correct or if yours is better than mine but or if i'm more mindful than you i believe so hence the title i mean i i mean i do (laughs) believe i am but (laughs) That's another That's story. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, so getting kind of back into into the topic of people being busy and and where to put your energy into. Um, mm-hmm. I currently have two jobs, and to be fair, they're like part time, ten hours a week, ten hours a week each, and they're both doing something that I'm super grateful to do. And you know, like I love looking at my job and being like, I I don't have to do this. I get to do this. It's like a privilege, and I think that just that just makes the whole experience um a lot more uplifting and like invigorating. But that being said, it is it is difficult to balance, you know, working and you're working forty hours a week and classes and all of that. So if you have a mindfulness routine or anything that you do to kind of ground yourself, share that and then share 
the way that you can choose to fit that in um, while also being busy with all of the other things of just living normal life? Personally, uh, a couple years ago, I did get into hot yoga, which is a really big thing for just keeping me, you know, centered and not thinking too much into the future, which just stresses me out and puts more on my plate than I can already handle. Yeah. So hot yoga is my favorite thing to do when I just have the time to get to the studio. But because a lot of mornings I I get home late from work, so yeah. I sleep in a little bit and I still need something that next day to feel a little more centered. So I also enjoy doing yoga at home. I, I'm a proud owner of about four yoga mats. So I always have them rolled out and there's always a, we have a huge house here. So we have big spaces to just do yoga. That's something that I feel really helps me remember that you need to live in the moment. But other people Mm. I know, like Petrina was talking, I know with Petrina, she really enjoys food and something like cooking for me too. But for Petrina, I'm sure can be a very like centering moment, a good time to just ground yourself and remember that, you're doing this for your soul. Like you make it more than just like about the nutrition, make it more to enrich yourself no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I think that ties into, to Petrina and I were talking about, she said, you know, I asked her about meditation. She said, there are different ways to meditate for everyone. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but I am interested, like, what is it about yoga that you said that you, it made you feel more present? Um, if, if you mean that as in it makes you feel more present in the moment or more present compared to other forms of exercise and just kind of like elaborate on that. Honestly, at this point, yoga is a little less of a physical exercise for me. Hmm. It, especially hot yoga, after so long, it becomes second nature. It's, it becomes something that doesn't seem to be so difficult. So hmm. for me, it's a lot more of... My mind is racing 24-7 when I'm awake, when I'm asleep. So honestly, yoga is that one place that somehow I leave everything at the door. And when I'm on my mat, it's a place that I can actually like conceptualize. This is where I am. This is what I need to focus on. And there's nothing, there's nothing else there. It's just you, the mat, the 105 degrees of heat in that room. (laughs) And in reality, right. But in reality, it's just, a very it triggers your like everything in your your nervous system your like your mind to just think that everything that's going on in your life that stresses you out isn't actually happening like all that's yeah. happening is that that mat and that heat and the sweat and the pain it yeah definitely it i think that i find that with exercise too it's a good way to be in the moment because you're already, you know, kind of suffering in a way in that moment. So putting your energy into thinking about, I don't know, like the next thing that you're worried about is a lot more difficult. And so I think, I think that even makes people not want to exercise because they know that it's going to happen. Or at least definitely for me, like I've gone into the gym before being like, this is going to be hard now that I'm like, I don't know, like worrying about like whatever. And I think the best way to kind of manage both of those things is just being like, okay, I'm here. If it's a, if it's a yoga class, it's like 45 minutes or an hour, right? So, so then you're like, mm-hmm. for these next 45 minutes, I am not thinking about anything. I am just doing the yoga and just trying that as hard right. as possible 
is super grounding, you know? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, tell us, so you mentioned your job earlier. Tell us a little bit about your job and <laughs> people will see why I'm prompting you for this, but I think it's super interesting <laughs> and we'll get into more questions, but just tell us like kind of debrief on, on what you do specifically, um, maybe like a bit of the politics behind it and, and, oh, and also, well, I'll just, I'll ask you this later, but yeah, yeah, go with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we can definitely talk about, my job does relate to my mindfulness and yoga as well, but I work at a recreational cannabis dispensary here in Washington State. Um, interesting enough, we are right on the border of Washington and Idaho, and cannabis is fully illegal in Idaho, uh, medically, recreationally. I don't know if they're even doing any testing on it in Idaho. It's, they're very strict about it. Hmm. Um, but, what I, but what I do on a daily basis, um, my title is a bud tender. And a lot of people like to joke, it's kind of like a bartender. So <laughs> but it's true. Like a bartender will ask you, like, what's your poison? But in my case, it's the complete opposite. Instead of asking, like, what's your poison? It's like, how can we, like, heal you? Or, like, what is going to, like, help benefit you today? Or what do you need to feel to just be in a better place? Hmm. Um, and that's, and that's different for a lot of people. And what most people don't realize is so many different things can be accomplished through cannabis. So like I said, my job specifically is just being knowledgeable in all the products that we carry and all the science and all the plant knowledge that is cannabis so that I can help people like, be more mindful to help them not necessarily be happier, but to get on the the path to just like, you know, improvement. And I love it so much. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting everyone who walks in the door super high and stoned, but there's ways that you can do that and you can supplement cannabis products into your life without ever really feeling it on a psychoactive level, but you do feel a completely different like mental state. Well, that kind of gets into like CBD too, right? So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, and CBD, I'm I'm pretty sure is legal almost everywhere in the U.S., if not everywhere, because yep. it's not the a C- psychoactive drug. It's it's something that affects. I don't know. You explain. <laughs> right. So, so CBD. So, let me first with cannabis. Cannabis is considered a Schedule One narcotic, or is it yeah Schedule One? which means there's no potential for like medical benefit or like any scientific testing. There's no reason for it. And that's the same with like heroin, and on a meth, amphetamines on a federal, federal. level. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So federal. So CBD. So that's THC. That's not cannabis anymore. That's just the THC molecule. That's considered schedule one. Um, CBD is a non-psychoactive component in cannabis has recently in the last year been changed to schedule three, which means that there is medical benefit or in there, it shows potential medical benefit. Um, but what this means, it has been uh, legalized in all 50 states for uh, CBD products and testing. But the problem with that is most people are getting this CBD from hemp plants and not cannabis plants. And while they're very similar, they're, they don't carry the same medical benefits. They don't, carry the same like mm-hmm. anti-stress and uh anxiety properties like cannabis products cbd products do so it's a huh. very it's a growing market but it's really important that people learn that it needs to grow in the right direction for people to actually 
use it to help themselves because right. hemp plants is no hemp plants is like if I wanted to get high and I decided to smoke some basil. Yeah. Like, it's not going <laughs> to do anything. It's, just, it's, it's not going to do anything. Well, so that's, um, that's, I would think that CBD um, mm-hmm. being a molecule, like chemical molecule, would be the same right. no matter what source. But you're saying that it's not. Right. So it is. A good example is like you can get CBD molecules in hops and hops are what are used to make beer um but it doesn't mean that's going to have that medical benefit so hemp cbd hemp cbd specifically does have minor anxiety pain relief and stress relief properties but it's all about having a full spectrum cannabis product um that makes the difference because to get into the real deep stuff THC really speeds up, maximizes, and catalyzes the effects of CBD, but you only need a really small portion. So you could have a 50 to 1 ratio of CBD to THC, um, and you will never feel any sense of high, but you can feel completely stress-free, or you can use it to manage your pain or to help you sleep. It's just how you mix it into your life. There's so many different ways to apply it. So, what is the biggest stereotype about cannabis that's not true? And what is the truthful side of that stereotype? That people smoke weed and the the people who smoke weed are lazy and they don't accomplish things. And they're this so-called stoner. And all they do is smoke and party and have fun. and or, Or essentially sit on the couch and eat chips and play video games but that's very very false like the thing is there is a truth to that i do love my days off where i get to sit in front of the tv and play video games with my roommates and get honestly really really high because i have nothing (laughs) else to do but like i still like i said i'm finishing my degree like one of my coworkers. yeah you're working uh, 40 hours a week with like nine hours of classes So I don't think Double that major. anyone can say that you're lazy. But also, right, but also my coworker, he just got into pharmaceutical school and he's one of our best workers. And hmm. another one of my coworkers just bought a brand new car and he just got a big boy job. So even though we're all like essentially that uh, quote unquote stoner, we work really hard. And if we didn't, it wouldn't be the, we wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> what for you personally would you say is some of like the biggest um benefits that you personally or people that you know or people that are customers of the shop that you work at the dispensary get from cannabis because i know that yeah. a lot of the famous arguments we get against cannabis is that you know i think i think people are starting to recognize the medical benefits and and really it's it's hard to find somebody now who who would t- totally deny that it has any medical benefits whatsoever but also, at the same time, um, that stigma of people being, quote unquote, stoner and not not doing anything productive due to cannabis's effects um, is is much worse than any benefits. And, and they kind of see that side and don't see the benefits. And I think it's really important to to more objectively show um, what the benefits that people really get, despite even even if it is you said you work at a recreational dispensary. It's not a medical dispensary. Um, but, but why should people 
why should people vouch for even recreational marijuana that's not for a strictly medical uh, purpose? So, so a quick thing about Washington State, um, we're a recreational dispensary, but we have many medicinal products. There, mm-hmm. In Washington State, the law is that there can only be one legal medical quote-unquote dispensary per like county. So there okay. is one medical dis- there is one medical dispensary here, but in all honesty, it is smaller than our uh, than our shop, and it does have less products. They just do have that medical accreditation, like just a, a, a approval, so they can say that they can carry medical products with mm-hmm. us and our recre in our recreational shop. That really just means that every product in the shop is going to contain a, at least a trace amount of THC. So we have CBD products that have 0.01 right. milligrams of THC. So, right. and that's just, to, that's just to work with the laws, but yeah. that is something that is changing and we will carry more. Like we start carrying like transdermal patches, which are one of my dad's favorite things to use. Hmm. Um, but you're asking me about like how I use it and how I've seen it benefit people that come in. Um, Right. I guess I'll start with how I use it to benefit my life. Uh, I like to tell people I definitely use cannabis recreationally and medicinally. I started out, I started using cannabis uh, when I was 19 and I moved into my first apartment out here in Pullman and it definitely was more just for recreational reasons. And honestly, I was going through like times of depression when I moved into that first apartment and had like really nasty breakup with an ex. So I was just kind of trying to mask feelings. Hmm. Um, And that was three years ago. So now I've learned how to really separate when I'm using it for my like recreational times to play video games, to go to the bar, to just like enjoy a hike, which actually no, enjoying a hike is medicinal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, you know, I don't think it, I, I, it would be hard for me to understand any argument saying that legal drugs like, you know, alcohol, tobacco are not used right. to mask feelings. And and I mean, I think that you're saying that knowing that obviously like maybe it wasn't the most mm-hmm. beneficial thing for you. And that was just a product of going through a hard time, which happens to everyone, oh, yeah. you know. So, yeah. So I think that like really my main focus is like the benefits are so strong and help people so much that they outweigh any of the any of the you know potential for I don't know masking feelings just like legal drugs here or whatever but yeah yeah go on on with what you're saying but so like you're saying it has so much more benefit but that benefit is different for everyone um my specific benefits I would say uh, I, I'll go through my day real quick in the morning. I really do use cannabis to help like jumpstart my energy to really start my metabolism and get my appetite going. Cause I, if I don't, I won't eat for until dinner time, And that's really unhealthy for me. Um, mm-hmm. it also does really help me get ready in the morning to be honest for yoga. It, uh, will really clear my mind for the day. Because just like yoga helps center me, I use cannabis to help center me. Um, it's a really great way for me to just wash away the anxieties or the stresses or the 
stuff that I already like I wake up thinking about what's on my plate I wake up thinking about tomorrow and the next day and if I do that every day I don't want to get out of bed right so it really just helps me function and like I obviously don't smoke all day because like I said I work eight hours a day um so like between that time like I love my job so much that is all that I need from it and that leads into helping the other people that come in people will come in because for the same reasons, because they need to eat, because they need to wake up. People come in because they need to sleep. There's some people that come in because they have chronic pain and they like can't move without feeling like agony. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it really does like help in ways that the narcotics didn't. Like right, pain and killers narcotics make them are feel... so addictive and and can be extremely destructive. And they can on your body, physically and mentally too. Right. Like it is so terrible. Like. I know, like, I have a great uncle who had an addiction problem and it went through narcotics, and it's just crazy how that happens. So, but that's another thing. There's so many studies that show people use cannabis to get off their narcotic addictions. And that's something that has been in studies to prove that cannabis isn't a gateway drug anymore and that it can be used to, like, bring people back from the harder stuff. But People also come into like their pets. We carry pet CBD products and they do it because they know that their pets have separation anxiety. They just want them to feel like calm. And that's how I feel with people who come in, the customers. Like I want them to like one of my favorite and least favorite examples. um, I lost my grandma in July and while I was working one day, someone came in and there's this older woman. She said, I lost my mom yesterday. And all I, like, I, all, I could feel exactly what she was feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I told my mom about this, she said, oh, so she was feeling so terrible that she had to get high so she couldn't, like, feel anything. Yeah, so was she wasn't in the same state that. of mind. Yeah. And I said, no, she was coming there because she wanted something that could help ease the pain, that could help calm the, like, stress. And, like, you can just see it on people sometimes. So like that misconception that my mom has that it's putting you in a different state of mind is so false and it really is used to you use it in like with your life not to get away from your life it's there's a lot to it well you know that's that's what I wanted to ask you about too because you know I think I think mm, people who are our age kind of understand a bit more about like how necessary it is like especially medicinally and then like how it can be beneficial past that um but yeah. i know like a lot of especially older generations they they see it more as something that is you know you were you were describing the things that that people use it for even if it is in a right. recreational dispensary so so anxiety or you know hunger or something and i just hear people's voices being like well, you should find, you should find a different way. You should do that on your own. You know, you shouldn't need like a dependency. Right. So what would be your answer to that? Well, like in my own life, I've had my mom say like, you should find meditation through God. You should find something else that like helps you with your stress. And the thing is like, everyone has their own medicine. Everyone has their own way they medicate. And I hate using the word medicate because it has a bad stigma on it that, Medicaid uh, in a in a weird way, but 
people eat, people watch movies, people cry, people take bubble baths. Yeah, and that's like, true. For some people, it gives off that same relief that the cannabis does for me. Or like there's people that come in and they just need a topical and like that topical relief gives them the full like relief that they need for a day. Like topical and, and cream? it's just such Yeah, so we have topical lotions and creams and like I said, transdermal patches are just like a thing you like stick on your body, like a sticker. Hmm. And it lasts for ninety six hours and like those are amazing, um right. for sure. Um but you know when people people who come in telling me they've never used cannabis before telling me that they just were driving by and they just wanted to know and they have so many questions and i like educate them but it's more like they're still nervous because of everything they've heard and people will just walk out and not buy anything or they won't even try the cbd products right. and they're like okay i'm gonna go do more research on my own but well you know i think just, that's so there unfair is, and like yeah. there's so much propaganda that's just not true like in that it makes people stupid and that it makes people mm, like go into like some sort of psychotic state and that's just objectively not true and I think that's unfair and I think that whenever you were talking about people who medicate with everything else with food or tv or whatever it then I just hear in my head somebody's question being like well nobody should medicate with anything what would you say to that? Life is such a crazy, messed up, difficult place that we are all trying to get a grasp on. And that is, and life is constantly throwing itself at you in different ways and for every person. That if we don't find a way to either medicate or meditate, which I think are, they go hand in hand, they're the same thing, then we all just, get defeated and like medicating or meditating in my sense is like my armor against the world like I do it so that I can talk to hundreds of people every day at work and like keep a smile on my face and care about their days and genuinely want to talk to them like if I didn't smoke if I didn't use cannabis if I didn't go to yoga I genuinely would not feel like I have the emotional or like mental stability to like do my job or to do so much things. And I feel like that's very similar for a lot of people. They just don't realize it. If you took away right. someone who is a, like every night Netflix watcher, if you took that away from them, they would have to find something else. Right. And they're and all just different ways to kind of change how you feel, you know? Yeah. Which everything is yourself. a different way to change how you feel. That's kind of people build their interests around what makes them feel the best like humans are are pleasure pleasure seeking animals and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whenever it gets whenever it's not past a point of hurting other people um in order for yourself but like for example I meditate I try and meditate every day and and that is something you know that I've talked about on the show before but more than that I it just makes me feel better so it's something that I'm gonna do and I think that where things get tricky and political is whenever we say, okay, but this is something that's not hurting anyone else, but it's bad. And even though it makes you feel better, it's bad. And, and I think, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm such a contender for looking at things 
with more of kind of scientific like what's the research what what are we actually talking about instead of fear mongering and propaganda and and whatever else you know and i think yeah like the netflix example or, or you know just anything that you kind of do to to zone out and and i don't know kind of kind of dull and 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 block out feelings and and that kind of thing so well so real quick my thing with that is like with cannabis it's not to block out feelings it's to help better like interpret them i guess because on my daily basis without cannabis my stress is like it's my anxiety like it's constant and when i use cannabis it doesn't get rid of it it just allows me to like manageably realize like why are you being stressed like it lets me understand where it's coming from and honestly same with cooking when i'm cooking yeah and and when you're in the moment with something you're able to process better same with yoga like if i have a if i'm having a great day already and i go to yoga like i'm just going to yoga for my body's benefit but if i'm having a stressful day and i go to yoga i'm going for my mind's benefit and if I'm having a good day and I use cannabis, I'm doing it recreationally. But if I'm stressed and if I'm not eating and I'm like not wanting to leave my room, I do need to use it to like, like not to get rid of those feelings, but to say like, you don't need to be stuck in these feelings. It they're like, they're you. not real. Yeah, It grounds you. It's like, you need to be in that moment. I need, I need a constant yoga mat underneath me at all times because that is such a place of like being like centered for me. Right. <laughs> That'd be awesome if it was everywhere. Like when I'm walking around, well, that's, but it can't that's be so exciting. Like, I think it makes me so happy. And, you know, I just, I just hope that more people kind of get on board. And like, that's something that I would want you and like everyone to be able to experience. And, and, you know, like being grounded is an, an essential part of life. So, you know, I think if if all it takes is a little bit of use of cannabis or whatever, that's fine. Like that's totally fine. Um, so functional human being. Exactly, you're very functional. Okay, so we're gonna shift gears here. <laughs> cool. Good. So you and I were together in Spain, as I already said in the intro, and this is, goes a little bit back into what Petrina said, but. I'm just so interested. I, I, you know that that experience changed my life. I know that it changed your life. So yeah, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked her. What is the biggest thing that you learned or, or, you know, even just kind of get into the background, what, what you kind of went in, uh, kind of like a timeline of, of how your, how your trip there went and then what you learned. Yeah. So the summer before Spain actually was very, very hard with me and my family. And I almost, I was worried I wasn't going to go. So skipping that story, because that's a whole another story. When I got to Spain, like it was pure excitement. It was like going to like a fairy tale land. <laughs> and the first couple of weeks were amazing. Me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like... <laughs> You were one of the best. We became friends before we even got there, which was so beneficial because, yeah, like I was not stressed to meet you, or like no. I was not stressed to meet. I was just excited. Excited, yeah. Me too. But right, but after the first couple of weeks, for me personally, I 
I don't know if I'd call it like a depression that I went to, but it was just hard for me to, like, I was living further away from everyone Mm -hmm. and I just didn't have that motivation to want to go out every night. And there's something that was holding me down. And I don't know if that's the culture shock or where it was coming from. Like I had, and I had all the freedom I wanted in the world. My host family was so awesome. And like, I had some really good weeks, some really good, like periods of weeks there, but there were also some really bad days and something that I really reflected on from now looking back is that so many people might be living in a paradise on the outside, but there's so much more going on in their lives. And I know for me, one of the reasons that I was so, it was so hard emotionally and mentally is because before I left for Spain, my grandma was given like eight weeks left to live. So I felt I was almost feeling guilty. Yeah. Yeah. She's lived with me for 10 years of my life, like growing up, like in our house and just always there, even when she didn't live with us. So I know that was a big one that was kind of just weighing on me. And I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. And even though I felt like I wasn't doing enough, I kept not doing enough. And I got stuck in that ditch of, just oh yeah well (laughs) you suck like you're just this is where we're at but I also did learn that there's so like even though like people on the outside might look like they're having a beautiful life and it could be terrible like there are so many other ways to look at life and that's just from Europe is what I learned from traveling and like Spain even being depressed in Spain was better than being happy here is my opinion. Hmm. And that was just because people had, a, they were more focused on living their life there. I felt like, and yeah. based on like how they enjoyed their meals and how they focused on their families. Like I went to family dinner every Sunday and had homemade paella. And that was the one of the best things. Like it's so awesome that, like a large family can get together on every Sunday and make a beautiful meal and have a long dinner and just talk and laugh and like just express this love. I don't think it's done enough here. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So how can Um, we do that more here? How can, how can we live more to a full extent and and be more engaged with our lives i think that's just mainly about knowing what it is in life that makes you smile that makes you happy that is genuinely what you want to be doing and do more of it like with me it's yoga like the more i do it like i get like one of my favorite things that my yoga instructors will say is like thank yourself for coming to yoga today and it's not for me it's not thanking myself for being there for my body it's because I just love it same with my job I love going to my job so I it is enriching my life and I feel like Hmm. I can spread the love because I'm happy and if you're if you're still if you have a clouded consciousness conscious and you're still fighting stuff with yourself it's harder to share the genuine energy that you want out in the world because you need to believe it for it to actually be true. Right. Well, 
like going back into into your job and yoga, I think that there's this really beautiful quote that's from this really kind of like cheesy movie called Wild based on a book um, written by Cheryl mm-hmm. Strait. It's one of my favorite books. It's this woman who's lost and she goes on this three-month hike, the PZT Pacific Crest Trail and on the west coast mm-hmm. of the United States. And she finds herself, quote unquote, but... And, you know, that that sounds so cheesy, but the execution is so much more important, in my opinion. She executed it super beautifully, the film. I love the way that it's direct, directed and shot. It's very, like, nostalgic, and you kind of just feel this woman's pain. And mm-hmm. while she was on the on the hike, you know, it, it was, it was like, the it was one, it was right after the climax of the movie of her just, just being like, am I going to be this person? You know, am I still going to be this person who... F's everything up and and gets into all of these unhealthy patterns and doesn't love herself because she had just gone on a bender doing heroin um, no. before she had had started the hike and she sat down with this woman that she found and the woman was reminding herself and the quote is you have to put yourself in the way of beauty and that is something that stuck with me so much and. You know, it's so true. Every time that somebody comes on here, I ask them what their routine is because I think, you know, routine sounds like such a harsh kind of schedule, like, word. But it's not. Putting yourself in the way of beauty means showing up for yourself to do things that you love, to put yourself in environments for you, for example, that's yoga or a positive work environment that you can go to each day and know that you're going to love and know that you're going to be surrounded by people who support you and 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 don't bring you down and you know that goes even further into hobbies like I love playing the guitar so I'm going to I'm going to put myself in the way of beauty this way or I'm going to go on a hike so you know I think that so much of our life is just is just those things where it's like well am I going to go home because I have a homework assignment to do or am I going to go to this cafe that I love and enjoy? And even if I have to sprint, spend $3 on a coffee, you know, it I, it's going to boost my mood. I think it's it's making those decisions for yourself and kind of getting out of a sort of lack mentality. So by that, I mean lack mentality being, well, I need to do this instead of the thing that I love. I need to, mm, instead of go to yoga do well obviously there are things you can't avoid that I mean nobody really wants to take out the trash or whatever but you know choosing things quitting a job that you don't like in order to get to a position that you love or or you know you know what I mean and 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 yeah it, it doesn't even have to be an everyday kind of thing just just deciding instead of staying home all weekend you're gonna go on this really spontaneous fun trip or something I mean those are the things that really wake people up you know and and make us feel grateful and make us feel loved and so to me whenever I think of what makes people genuinely happy it's only it's it's something that I'm only realizing now (laughs) but it's something that is so evident that you need to do these things every day and you need to you need to do things that you love every day because those are the things that make you feel good and make you feel supported and make you feel less like life is a battle and more like something that is is to be enjoyed and lived. 
and it enriches your life so much as a thing. And if you have if you have one good moment every day like that that you can think like, Oh, I went to yoga today. Ooh, I went and had spa today. Ooh, I did something I love today. Like you can look back on that and use that energy throughout your day. Like one way I get through my days when there's something like crappy happening, you just think like this is one moment. Like this is just I know I'm in a bad mood and like sure I can't change that immediately, but it's just one moment of my day. I'm not going to let it like ruin my whole mojo. Essentially. I'm not going to let it ruin my day with my customers. It's just like you let those small things pass. And when you learn to do that, like you just start to live better every day. You enrich yourself. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So <laughs> I'm just like really thinking about that that hit home. <laughs> so um I'm looking back at my questions that I have for you. So one of the basic themes I wrote down is self-love. And I know that you're somebody who's really focused on doing things for self-love. And I think that's so crucial. Um and it's it's the same thing as going back to putting yourself in the way of beauty and 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 finding those things um and I really liked how earlier you were describing that whenever you're feeling happy you're able to spread that energy out to the world and I think maybe it's a misconception that if you're doing you know self-love it's just for you it's you're taking away time from other people and I know that to not be true because I know that you know my cup Oprah always says my cup overfloweth so it means if my cup is full that's how I give to you because I'm in that space of you know free flow and like and you just feel very open and happy and and you're not so constrained so to you what does feeling open and happy to the point of sharing it with others you know what does that what does that feel like what does it mean how do you get there because I was unhappy for so long in my life, honestly, and I was tired of it. Um, honestly, from a young age, from like second grade until ninth grade, I was bullied in high school for uh, honestly because my voice was high pitched. So bullies will be bullies and kids are ruthless. Pick on people. <laughs> they will pick on people's smallest things just to make them seem like I don't know I don't know why they do it but I was I hated myself for so long I was a chubby kid like I did sports my whole life and I still was kind of big so it was always like until like my sophomore year of high school when I transferred high school like and I still was like it's not that I necessarily didn't love myself because I was probably at my best place like physically but I had, I was not mentally okay. Like I was, <laughs> to be honest, I was getting drunk in my room alone at night. <laughs> like, because I was yeah. just, I don't, I don't even know why I was young and dumb and I thought it was cool to get drunk. Yeah. So I did it. And yeah. so now in my life, I, there's been so many things I look back on that I never want to feel again. Hmm. And the best, thing like the best feeling in life is self-love so why wouldn't i want to practice that is the thing like there's so many people that haven't gone through 
necessarily like hard times that it might not be so evident, but everyone knows someone who doesn't live a perfect life or doesn't live a completely happy life. So you got to remember that. And when they improve, when they do finally change, when they do finally seem to get better, like encourage that. Like there's something about it that you could either learn from or that you can like help them like continue with. Like self-love is awesome. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's so important. Like everybody's gone through a hard time at one point. And, and I think a lot of that is, you know, situational, for example, you were bullied and, and I'm sorry. And, and that's not fair on a lot of levels, but you know, I, I'm, I think also to a certain degree, self-love is about just knowing kind of your rights as a human being. Like you have the yeah. right, you have the right to love yourself and to not, you know, give away so much of yourself that in order for other people's validation or, you know, and, and, and kind of <laughs> why I'm saying that I watched, have you seen Miss Americana, Taylor Swift's documentary? <laughs> you have? No, I've not. Okay. No, I well, have not. So here's the thing. I'm I've never been a huge Taylor Swift fan. Not that I don't like her by any means at all. I I like her as a person. I just that's not necessarily my kind of music. To me, my my friend got me into this movie because she was saying, you know, it's not just about Taylor Swift. It has a lot of really cool points that they bring up about about what Taylor Swift has gone through, and it got into how her whole life she would play a guitar and people would cheer. And that's how she got her sense of I'm doing things right. People like me, you know, you know how that works. So, so, yeah. so that is like every performance, it would just, it would just kind of, she would need that boost in order to have the stronger sense of self. And it got Definitely. to such a point that whenever people started it on Twitter, there was a point where people had this hashtag that says, I don't know, basically all, something saying to Swift is, is not a good artist. We don't like her anymore. And that crushed her because all she knew was was that validation from other people. And I think self-love to me is loving yourself enough for your love and feelings of being a good person to not be situational. And that is so mm-hmm. hard to achieve. I mean, that is something that is like Buddha level. Like, that's very difficult. Um, that, that's a higher self. Yeah. I was breaking up again. That's an astral projection kind of, <laughs> but can you hear me now? Yep. But essentially, you know, I think that it's so crucial to love yourself to the degree that every time that something quote unquote goes wrong um, or somebody, you, you're kind of in this little scuffle with somebody or somebody says a comment to you that maybe makes you question your worth, you don't. And... Or at least you you can you can see it more objectively see it, see it as in this person is maybe having a bad day, they maybe are insecure about this thing that they're talking to me about. Um, so I think that I think that self love to me is 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 having that kind of confidence and and kind of just like innate knowing that you are good despite maybe somebody who doesn't say so. And. Yeah. So it's interesting to me. What would you say is is a way that you personally use um, to try and get to that point of self love? So 
I mean, honestly, that 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 was a, that really the way you put that about self love, and it's really true that the, what I was really thinking is that it is hard to look at the bright side of things in life, or to look at the the glass being half full, being optimistic about a lot of things. And one big thing is that happens through practice. I know because I being pessimistic is something that I think is just in everyone like no one is born and sees a cup and thinks oh it's half full because everyone in life before you were even speaking has taught you that it's half empty like those people that say it's half full there's not enough there's not enough of them in life to raise like I don't believe I was raised yeah to like put it to like essentially a bad way to put it to breed it into people that is a natural way of thought like well, going people off of that, I think that I think yeah. I think you said people aren't born that way, and then you said because they're taught. I would argue, yeah, that you right. and I both mean they're born that way, and then they're taught to right. not see it like that. Correct. Because kids Correct. are so happy all of the time, you know, and then it's like we turn into adults that are pessimistic, and it's like, what happened? You know, like that's crazy right? to me. <laughs> Right. Well, also something very a big stretch is like something I was recently seeing. You could it's like not everyone believes in like mediums and stuff, like connecting to the other side. But something about that was like they said you have to have a completely clear conscious and you have to be like no opinions towards anything. And there's also a lot of things that show kids have a lot more of a connection to that other side. It's because they're so pure of mind and pure of soul that they just have like that veil between if you believe in those things that veil there, <laughs> they they aren't they don't they haven't been masked with all these beliefs hmm. and right. that's something that I think we all could try to like I'm not saying everyone needs to be more like a kid but everyone should try to like be make open. their soul a little more right. pure and like kid like well like, don't let all of the misconceptions of the world run your days <laughs> yeah that's so true. And I think that going into that too, mm, I think when I think that there's a problem and I think that's kind of the inherent self-love I was talking about that, you know, kids who are, who are essentially kind of, we're, we're talking about it, like they're kind of this untouched being. And, and to me yeah. that this self-love is inherent because they understand their value without needing to hear it from other people. And for me, I think that changes whenever we're raised that, you know, you're a good person whenever you do good things and you're a bad person whenever you do bad things. And a lot of us, nobody, hardly anyone is a good person because they do good things and a bad person because they do bad things. We're all people who can choose to do something good and can choose to do something bad. And most of us are still inherently good, you know, and... (laughs) I don't think it's as simple as people making bad decisions because they chose to do something bad. I think people make bad decisions because they're under pressure or because of, you know, they don't know better. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know, how are you going to, how are you going to change? So I think, I think just kind of, you know, it's so easy, especially for me (laughs) to get caught up in what other people think of me. And, and it's hard, it's hard to, learn how to be happy no matter what you know your circumstances outside because 
because, you know, I think that I definitely rely on people telling me that I'm good in order to kind of let myself believe it. But there's a space in me that knows, you know, there's a space in me that knows, well, if this person and 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 if somebody is having a bad day, they're not going to speak to you super well. And you can't let that kind of thing drag you down every single day. You know, I think and that goes into just living with kindness. Um, so by that, I mean, giving people the benefit of the doubt or or if somebody is is kind of having a bad day or whatever, just choosing to kind of love that person anyway and saying, you know, I'm not going to let this affect me. And I still see that this person inherently is is a good person and I want to show them love, even if they're doing this kind of, you know, this thing out of out of being in a hard time. So what what would you say is one of one of the most important reasons to show kindness despite despite maybe a reaction that you're getting? Because kind of like I said earlier, like being able to spread that energy, like there's something about humans and, you know, like yawning, it's a contagious, but that's true with like the energy you put out too and the emotions you give out. So if you can give out a little kindness every day, if you can like make someone's day a little brighter, like make them laugh a little, make them smile a little, like tell them like something interesting, like enrich their lives a bit. Like you're helping them grow, which in like, like the butterfly effect essentially will essentially help everyone around them grow, helping the world grow. And if you're putting out that right energy, those kind actions out, you're like getting the right stuff. You're putting the right stuff into the world. It's like good karma too. What goes around comes around. And it's really, really important to not necessarily believe in that, but to take some of other people's beliefs from that and think, well, if they truly believe karma is a thing, then why don't I try to do something good? Like one thing a day is going to make a small difference. So what would you say is a way to show kindness and live kind of out of that kind and loving space, that heart space that, you know, where things really like flow and grow um, without yeah. having your boundaries overstepped because that's something I struggle with is and me and yeah. my friend were talking the other day and she was describing how she met this new person and she was in a situation that she kind of wanted them to be impressed it was her work but this person was being adamantly rude to her and she had to you know kind of she was still trying to be kind and trying to keep a positive mind and I've had situations like that I think a lot of people have um, especially in that situation of, of meeting somebody new in a situation where you need to have a good relationship a roommate or work or wherever um, so how do you how do you balance being kind but not letting people overstep your boundaries to a point that you know they're they're not respecting you and you know you can't just be continually disrespected by somebody and then be like well I still I still will give you a hug or whatever. You know, how do you how do you kind of draw right. that line? So just a funny like comparison to this is like my work does an awesome job at giving me the confidence for this because our managers fully believe like if someone's making you feel uncomfortable in your own workplace, 
they have no right to do that. And you have all the right to speak up about it. Hmm. And they voiced that to us like on the weekly. And that's something that I kind of have been able to put into my own life. Like if I'm like living my life and I'm doing everything right and I'm not affecting you in anything in any negative way with what I do, you have no right to do something that makes me feel uncomfortable. You have no right to be using a language I don't like to be acting away to be like calling me or degrading me even if you don't think you are like I feel like this happens with my family a lot like I'm a very sensitive person and I tell my my mom and my sister that they like they they offend me sometimes they hurt my feelings and I only do that because I only voice that because I know I'm every time I come home I'm just being genuinely me and if I'm hurt, it's genuine. I'm not trying to get attention at this point. Like, hmm. so if you don't speak up, you're always going to, it starts to condition you to be quiet. Yeah. It starts to condition you when you feel that uncomfortable area or you feel like someone's like stepping over your boundary. It's going to remind you like, oh, I should stay quiet like last time because it just passed. Right. But a big, like a learning thing is like learning how to use your voice and like, remind someone that you're no better of a human than I am. There's mm. nothing that gives you more authority right. like to make me feel less than you. Like, right. And that's how I feel right now. So you deserve to speak up. And right. like, it's really important to speak up, but it's a really hard skill. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's something that's learned over time. I think, I think some people definitely were raised to speak up and, and kind of draw that line. And then for some of us, it's something more that we learn. You kind of learn what agency oh, you yeah. have and, and where people, you know, aren't allowed to cross a certain boundary. And I think that's that's something really important to just just be a good communicator and not even being just a, just a good communicator, but being able to live your life without kind of worrying about people overstepping your boundaries all the time and, and kind of showing up for yourself in that way. And something else about that is if you're confident in who you are and in your boundaries and what you believe, nothing you say, like voicing how you feel, nothing about it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And if someone tells you it is, they're dumb. (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) And so once, once you learn that you're just living like 100% authentically as yourself, no matter what it is, if you're a bad girl, if you're, if you like to be a little more like grungy, if you like to give off a little more of a like edgy vibe, fine, live that a hundred percent, but like, don't be mean. Right. Like people, that's one very small like example. But like, if you love being like a bright and happy person on the out, like make sure that shows through your emotions, like just be authentic is my thing. And when you're authentic, all of your emotions are authentic too. And all of everything you have to say like, that's the biggest thing. Like, right. just speak from the heart, speak from the true emotions. Like, with me, I get bothered, but I'm very nitpicky about things and I get bothered by how people work. But those aren't, like, I know that's not something you speak out about. That's not ruining my well being or who I am. But if someone comes into my work and they start knocking stuff over, um, like, and they start moving stuff and doing stuff that is, like, so out of hand, like, I speak up because hey, dude, you're ruining something that I've put time and energy into and that, like, I am devoted to and you don't even care. <laughs> like, yeah, be authentic. Right. <laughs> I think, yeah, right. I think I think that's just 
you know, kind of the basics of of showing up for yourself. So, but okay. Better, easier said than done is the thing. Oh, trust me, I know. Always. It's hard. It's yeah. hard because once you're in that situation, you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, what if they get offended or whatever, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. I think that's just something that we have to learn right. is is worth the risk honestly there's no other better way and to a lot it. of people so, a lot of people are kind of forced i just watched it i was watching a, a fashion show there's someone who made a full collection a whole line of work and someone stole it from them and they didn't say anything about it so he was he, oh, wow. you have to gain that voice right or like for my situation i was bullied for eight years in my life when i moved schools i had to gain a voice so that i didn't fall back into that like spot I was at right. and like people in college sometimes like they just or in relationships even they whole thing not they're forced to and then you learn to grow that voice and then you learn how to get better at using it but like it's not that you necessarily are given it hmm. yeah I think it's I think it's something that we have to work on every day and and not mm-hmm. back not shy away from whenever a situation presents itself. I think that's the hard part. And it it starts with learning how to be honest with yourself and like accepting, like I said, like when you're like, when you're stressed, learn why you're stressed. Don't just sit in bed and be stressed. Like you got to accept those things and learn how to listen to your own emotions to get a voice. So we have one last big question and then we're going to move on to the rapid fire round, which is my favorite part of this entire thing. (laughs) So tying back into standing up for yourself and being kind, what is the best way to not get kicked off of the self-love train and to keep those habits and and keep those, those, um, those actions and thoughts going for yourself? If I'm being honest, I don't think, I don't know if my answer is the best way, but it's what makes most sense to me. And one thing is using traumas and bad times in your life to reflect and never really, like there's some people that will push those hard times of their lives to the deepest, darkest corners of like their brain and their conscious, but they'll never think about them. But I think a lot of those, like the mistakes and the, hardships you go through truly are the biggest growing points and when you can like fully look back on them later in your life and take a lesson from it and you can learn like what was wrong about it and what to change like it can you can use it for any situation you're in like big or small and self-love is a big one for sure so like I've said, I felt I didn't love myself for so long, and I used that for my biggest thing. And I think that's that's the only way I can. I don't know other ways to. That's my biggest motivator. That's really powerful. That's how I used to feel. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what I would say is is connecting back to who you really are and your values and and not getting you know not getting caught up in in kind of the drama or like our thoughts or or whatever um and just going back to that space that feels you know like this is really real this is me this is my life this is what I want to do and grounding yourself oh in yeah that. 
And like something we didn't bring up that I'm going to mention really quick, like I haven't been on social, I haven't really used social media since July of last year. Yeah, you inspired me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite things I've done because (laughs) as, as, as unconscious as it is, like I followed so many like gorgeous people and that fueled so many of my negative images on myself. Oh yeah. And, like, I know social media can be so beneficial. and It's such a resource, but I am so much happier without it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think just keeping those things in check, you know, and, and mm-hmm. with with anything that you're trying to do to, to fill your days with more self-love, I think just kind of asking yourself, is this making me happy or is it necessary? So maybe you're taking out the trash and maybe it's not making you super happy, but it's necessary. But if something's not necessary Mm -hmm. and it's not making you happy, change it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. On that note, we're going to get into the rapid fire round. (laughs) Okay. Do you know how rapid fire round works? No, I haven't. I haven't got that far in the podcast yet. (gasps) No, <laughs> that's totally fine. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so basically, rapid fire rounds are just me asking you questions that you have a split second to think of. And the twist okay. is this is a mindfulness podcast. So, you're going to have to answer mindful, deep philosophical questions within one or two sentences max. Okay? One or two sentences. Okay. 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 What is happiness? Happiness is when you wake up in the morning and you want to get out of bed without using something else. Is there an like app? Is <laughs> it like drugs? Parentheses. <laughs> is there an absolute way to attain a happy state of mind? No, everyone's absolute state of mind is always changing and is dependent on where you live, what you're living in and who you're living with essentially. Does life but have you can a get, reason? You can come, oh wait, keep going. But you can come really close was the last part of that one before it. <laughs> you can come really close to that. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's asking, this question's asking more, is there one way to attain a happy state of mind? Oh, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) You had the rest of it. Quick answer. Does life have a reason? Yes, but that is completely dependent on every person. How does one find purpose in life? You try so many things until you find what really lights a fire inside you and sparks interest. This is the last one. What can we change when we have power? When we have power, we can change our mindset, our emotions, our physical place and being. With power, you can change how you're living your whole life and like what is coming to you in your life. Putting out the right power is everything. and It brings back the right power, too. So, Colton... This has been a really awesome interview. And I just wanted to know, do you have any pondering thoughts for the week that you want to leave, that you want to say, anything that you didn't get to say, anything that that if anybody didn't listen to anything but this, what would it be? 
Oh, boy. If someone only, like, skipped to this part of this podcast and they, I want them to hear something from me, it's to really go out into life with your, honestly, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but go out, eyes open, and take risks. Like, like my quick example is the job I'm at now. I turned down a job the day I got the phone call for this interview. So I had a job offer and I turned it down for an interview and it all, it made me the, it was the happiest decision I've made in the last six months. And my mom was furious (laughs) and it seemed so stupid. And for a second I freaked out thinking, what was I doing? But the point is if you put your heart into everything and you like, like committed to what you want and you have that mindset there, take those leaps, like go for it. Like just do it. If you think it's possible, then it is possible. You just got to work a little bit. Similar everyone is at the end of the day. And, and we, we think super, you know, we've talked about things that you and I have had a plethora of deep conversations, but there are some questions that just, that just get, more out of what people believe and think so i think that's really important definitely and i think it's important because we all need to start feeling more connected and connection is so important to being happy and and living just a great life and if i can help in the smallest way and you're helping every day then that's that just makes it so much we're living our lives truly (laughs) we are we're trying (laughs) we're getting a little better each day (laughs) 